Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well this morning. Thank you so much for the privilege of coming and bringing the message. Um, my name is Sam Henry. I'm the youth pastor here at Northridge Vineyard, and I will be continuing our series on Hebrews, kicking off again in chapter nine. So go grab your Bibles and open up there because in actual fact, we will be reading through Hebrews nine right now, starting with verse 11. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 9, 11 to 26. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who has made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died, it never takes effect while the one who made it is still living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with, blood, with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Okay, well, that is a lot. And I don't know if you're a little bit like me when I first read it, and I was like, I don't really get this right now. So let's step through it together. First, looking at what the writer of the Hebrews is talking about, he's specifically addressing why Jesus's death specifically is so important and amazing. In verse 16, he starts with this really interesting idea of an equality between a covenant, the covenant, 
and a will. Reading from verse 16, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. I don't know about you, but in my Bible, I have down in the footnotes a little thing saying that the Greek word for will is actually the same Greek word for covenant. And so what the writer is identifying here is that just like a will, the inheritance or the promises of God could only come into effect when someone died. And not just that, but they could only come into effect when the one who made the will or made the promises, uh, God himself, died, which he did as Jesus. Now, this idea comes up in a couple of other places as well. If you uh, go to Romans 5.10, Paul talks about it in saying, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So what Paul is identifying here that is that it's only through Jesus's death specifically that we were reconciled to God or our relationship with God was restored. Okay, so now we know one of the reasons Jesus' death was so important to enact the promises of God. I don't know if there has ever been a time uh, where you have wondered if this nitty-gritty stuff actually matters, but I'm sure the readers would have been thinking that exact question. Being first century Jews, they were already gaining access to Uh, to the promises of God by sacrificing animals under the Mosaic law. And so they'd be wondering, so how is Jesus' sacrifice any better? Well, the writer of Hebrews approaches this in two ways. The first way is that the sacrifice of Jesus doesn't just cleanse the outsides, like the Mosaic sacrifices, it transforms our wholeness from the inside. Let's have a look at verse 14 in Hebrews 9. Here it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousnesses, our insights, from the acts of death, uh, acts that led to death, so that we may serve the living God, living transformed lives. Now, this idea kind of reminds me a little bit of this bottle. Uh, I love this bottle. I've had it for a long time. I love that it holds a bunch of liquid or water. I also love that it's really clean and shiny on the outside. And for me, I have always made sure that I've kept it shiny, cleaning off anything, any dirt that I got on the outside. If I'd spilt something on it, cleaning it off pretty quickly because I love the fact that it's shiny. Now, one day I was going about and Uh, My bottle was open like this and I went to pick it up and I picked it up by putting my finger inside and grabbing it like this. Now, to my confusion, I didn't feel water inside. 
I felt something slimy. And so I wiped my finger to the inside, taking out, and I realized actually there was a whole bunch of slime and grime on the inside of my bottle. And in a panic, I rushed to a sink and poured hot soapy water on the inside and gave it the best clean of its life. And after that cleaning, it was actually amazing. I have no idea how long I had been drinking that dirty, grimy water, and my suggestion is don't let your bottles get that dirty or grimy, but I had no idea how long I'd been doing that for, but when I poured new water inside of it, it actually tasted better. It actually tasted fresher, and maybe it was placebo, but actually healthier for me. And in the same way, the old sacrifices only really ever washed the outside. But Jesus and his sacrifice transforms us from the inside, turning us a little bit into what we were originally designed to be. Now, it's really awesome because Jeremiah actually prophesied about this transformation from the inside uh, and actually takes it one step further in Jeremiah 31, 33. Um, here it says, This is the covenant I will make with Israel, uh, make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts, their insides. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Jeremiah prophesies about this transformation and shows that through it, God wants a real working relationship with us, one where we would know him, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and intimately. So the first way that Jesus' sacrifice is better than the old system is that it cleanses us and transforms us wholly, wholly from the inside out so that we can have relationship with him. Now, the second reason is unlike the original sacrifices, <coughs> Jesus only had to die once. His sacrifice was complete. Now, we can read from verse 25 in Hebrews 9 about this. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus' sacrifice is better than the old system because it is done once and it is complete and it stays that way. It's like how we are new creations that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says, therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, 
and all things have become new. There is no way to go back to the old creation because we are completely new. And that means we don't have to fear going back to the old creation. Jesus has replaced our inner nature with himself and his nature. He lives inside of us now. (laughs) So what does this mean for us? Well, honestly, the wholeness and the completeness of transformation through Jesus means everything for us. It means that we can have that restored relationship that Jeremiah prophesied about. It means we can have that renewed identity, that of new creations. But I feel like God has three things for us this morning. For me, in preparing this, I feel like I have been challenged to search my life and find the places where I am denying or where I am choosing something instead of the new creation identity that Jesus purchased for me, and in those places, just turn back around to him. And even though I sometimes feel like I have it all together, and I've done that a million times, I felt God come and press on my heart to do it again to go searching again. And I feel like there's an invitation to the same challenge for us, to search out those places for the first or the millionth time and bring them to Jesus. (coughs) Secondly, I feel like God wants to address any fear that we might have of going back to that old creation and remind us that going back simply is impossible. Jesus' sacrifice was so great and so complete that nothing you or I could ever do could take us back to that old creation. We are completely, completely full stop new creations. And last, I felt like God wanted to remind a few of us of our new mission and purpose because of this transformation to seek after the kingdom things and bring them to earth, to serve the living God, as the writer of Hebrews says. I feel like God wants to release a passion and a hunger for this. And I felt like God pointed out the whole of John 15, where it talks about the vine and the branches, but specifically verse seven, where it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I feel like God's wanting to say, um, calling uh, some of us to remain in remaining in the new creation identity that we have purchased, uh, that Jesus purchased for us. We might be able to ask and actually see the kingdom things come to earth. And so if any of those touched your heart or if any of those got you excited, um, I encourage you to get some prayer ministry. There's a link down below with a whole bunch of really cool people ready to pray. Um, But to finish up, I'd love to pray for us uh, together. So dear Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything that you have done. Thank you for the cost 
that you paid on our behalf that we might be wholly and completely transformed so that we could have those promises that you gave us that restored relationship with you as well as that new identity of new creations. And Jesus, I pray that you would remind us of that deeply in the depths of ourselves and that you would root that deeply in the depths of ourselves right now. And Dad, I pray that you would come alongside us this week, be with us this week and bless us this week as we go about the things that you have. In the name of Jesus, amen.